Nothing. We have a video in just a minute. You all won't get to hear that. That's problematic. We'll figure that out. This is from Luke um, 19. Yeah. After Jesus said this, he went on again.
thing go. There, I think there are words in the Bible that could read and uh, pray together. I confess that on the road to Jerusalem, I don't know where in the crowd I might have stood. Did I throw my coat in honor or wave my palm branch in celebration? Did I lead the crowd in shouts of worship or stand? Not just the goodness, but also the pain and the mistakes. I cannot explain even a moment that I forsake the opportunity to worship you. But today, I fall on my knees. I lay down the coat of my shame and sin. I wave my palm branch of surrender. I declare that you are God. There is no other. And I watch you go down the road where I know you endured it all for me. Amen.
know you're saved, but sometimes you don't like fighting. So that's kind of what he's saying to them. To the church of God in Corinth, all the way back to chapter 1, verse 2, he says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and our He, listen to what he says in verse 8. He will, he will keep, also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful and he has called you into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul is not suggesting that they might not be saved. He is suggesting and saying to them, um, challenging them in the area of continuing service. So I turn to chapter 3, start with verse 5. What after all is Paul, what is Paul, only servants for whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each a task. I planted the seed, Paul's watered it, and God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. And the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. Yet they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's field and God's building. By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else built on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble, their work will be shown for what it is because of the day. will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And if it is burned up, the builder will suffer a loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Flames. 
and he urged the Corinthians to take on, to take on the same <laughs> attitude. And throughout the and, and, and through the Bible, he appeals to us as well. You see, I hear a lot of people talking about rewards. And when they get to heaven, they, they want to. They, they want to have mansions. They want to have rewards. And, and if you're focused on rewards, you do not understand the book of Revelation. I think I understand the book of Revelation uh, in part as, as well as anybody probably. Here's the thing about rewards. And here's the why you want to serve with every ounce of your energy as Paul is encouraging Hello? <laughs> As Paul is encouraging the Corinthians, because the day is coming when you will stand before the Lord and he will judge your works, what you have done in this life, and you'll be rewarded accordingly. But it's not the rewards that's the focus. It's what happens next. And what happens next in the picture of the revelation, what happens next? And I want to have as huge amount of rewards as possible. What happens next? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. The wind of the Spirit is moving. What happens next? is because he alone is worthy of worship. We take all those rewards and we lay them at his feet and we give them away for his glory because it's not for us. It's not about us. And when we, when we get to the point where we recognize in heaven it's not about us, and on earth it's not about us, then we are free from me. And when you get free from you, that's the best possible life you can live in the here and now. And in, in, chapters, in chapters 8 through uh, 11, verse 1, Paul focuses on Christian freedom and sensitivity to others. My freedom in Christ has a boundary marker, and the boundary marker on my freedom in Christ is the lostness of the people who are not yet believers in Jesus. And Paul champions freedom, the freedom to live redemptively, in this world. And in chapter 10, he gives us three dangers. Verses 1 through 13, and I will not take time to read all of those this morning, but he deals with the presumption of the strong. Uses Israel as his base illustration. Israel knew God's blessings. You know, how do you, how 
Do you go through the experience of coming up to the Red Sea with water in front of you and Pharaoh's army closing in behind you and God says to Moses, <laughs> just spread the waters. And Moses is obedient. Moses doesn't spread the waters, but God does. And not only does God spread the waters, he dries the land. And they cross through this sea on dry ground. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty amazing. Because I've been around the edge of Truman Lake, and when the water goes away, the mud stays. All of a sudden, God opens up the way for them to pass through on dry ground. They've seen his glory. They've experienced his power. Yet they get on the other side. They come to the Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up on the mountain. They go to the golden calf. They make their way through the through the wilderness and they come, they come to the to the promised land. And God's provided them all their way. And they send out spies. And two of the spies come back and say, Oh, it's a great land. And they listen wrongly to the majority. And they wander in the wilderness until, until that generation had died so that none of them would see the promise God had offered. He also talks about their sexual immorality. You know, here they are. Here they are. They are God's chosen people. And yet, they were disobedient and sexually immoral. I want you to understand, their identification with God did not keep them from perishing in the wilderness because of their sin. No more so than our identification with Christ will keep us from perishing. And I've already established the fact Paul's not talking about forever perishing. He's talking about this, the perishing of reward. And sometimes I, like Israel, step away from the line which God has drawn and, and, and I think I got this. I got this. 
to which Paul responds. <clears throat> so, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You see, as a believer in Jesus, when I think I have this all figured out, when I think I can handle my life myself, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. See, we, we cannot, because we are identified with Jesus, presume upon his grace. So that means I cannot live any way I want to live, presuming upon his grace. I can only live victoriously as he desires me to live. So when you think you got it, look around. Be careful that you don't fall. The second danger is verses 14 through 22, the compromise of the weak. When we are taking, the, when we take the elements of the Lord's Supper, we are symbolically participating in the body and blood of Jesus. And Paul suggests that the same thing happens when, when in Corinth the, the believers would go and they would eat the meat that had been offered as, sacri as sacrifice to the idols if they knew that's the case. And they would, they would inadvertently, by their compromise, be participating with, with the demons, so to speak, as Paul, as Paul describes it. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes I, like the Corinthians, come up to this line of right and wrong. And I think I'm free. I'm free in Jesus. So it doesn't really matter. I think, and, and I hear people put it this way. God and I have a deal. I want you to understand, God doesn't make deals with us. He doesn't make bargains with us. He draws the line for our behavior. And he doesn't give any one of us special treatment. And so I don't get to negotiate my own terms in which I will relate to God and I will relate to the world. And, and people who, who say this to me typically are trying to defend their bad behavior because they and Jesus have a deal worked out. Well, they didn't read 1 Corinthians, apparently, because you don't work out a deal with Jesus. And when you come, and so that you're... Behavior doesn't matter. Our behavior matters. It matters now, and it matters forever. Our behavior matters. 
So when I think I'm free in Jesus, so it doesn't really matter, which, is, which was one of the things the Corinthians were guilty of in several different places. When I think I'm free in Jesus, so it, my behavior doesn't really matter, Paul, Paul responds, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have your part in the Lord's table and the table of demons. In other words, it's impossible to live with one foot in heaven and one foot in the world. It doesn't work that way. The way it works is we're all in or we're not in at all. When, we, when our life comes to Jesus. And then in the next set of verses 23 through 30, Paul deals with the legalism of all believers. The, yes, I did, I did intentionally and on purpose use the word all. I don't use the word all often because all is usually not really all, because there's some exception. But in this case, every one of us, every person I know, has the tendency to think they're right at some, at some point or another. You know. Even when we admit we're wrong, we think we're right. So this is a common problem for all of us. It was a problem for the Corinthians. They seemed to so individualize their freedom that they thought that their attitudes did not matter. Paul dealt with this issue throughout the chapters of verse, of 8 through 10. He hits it over and over and over again. And sometimes I, like the Corinthians, draw a line and think my way is the only way. My way is the only way. To which Paul responds, verse 24, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You know, he just does not let up. He's constantly turning the screws on our behaviors and our attitudes and places the value and challenges us to place value on other people. And as he wraps up chapter 10, he gives us, he gives us four applications of 
And these four applications of Paul's teaching could change your life. And then many others. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. When I am free from me, I can, I can do all for the glory of God. But when I get in the way, I try to get a little bit of the glory for myself. I try to establish my freedom. Verse 32. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Paul hits again these two underlying principles that he hits over and over and over again throughout the letter. Do not do anything within the body of Christ that disrupts the unity of the body. And do not do anything in your life which discredits the witness of the church in the eyes of the community. When I am free from me, I do not cause anyone to, stru- to, stu- to stumble by claiming my rights. Verse 33. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. He's already told us in chapter 9, you know, Paul was not a people pleaser, but he understood the power of connection for evangelism. So he would do whatever it takes to win as many as possible. When I am free from me, I do what I do what I do for the good of many, so that they may be saved. My freedom is not for my benefit, but my freedom is for their salvation. My freedom is to live redemptively. Chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. When I am Free of me. I follow the example of Christ rather than boost my own reputation. When I am free from me, and when we are free from us, the gospel makes progress among believers and not yet believers. Through our through our influence, Jesus. Jesus would put it this way. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. 
to live out Luke 9.23, which I just read, is to be free from me. And once again, Paul addresses the body of believers as I've tried to address the body of believers today. And so, as we come to the end, as we move toward offering, asking you to make a challenge, uh, to, to make a commitment. So, for the believers in the room, Paul's message is really clear. Get over yourself. Well, that's my paraphrase. Okay. Paul said it much more eloquently. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When you live that way, you're getting over yourself. See, he challenges us to live for the glory of God, for the good of the church, and for the gathering of the lost. And that's the commitment I want to ask you to make today as members of this church, to commit this morning to live for the glory of God the good of the church and for the gathering of the lost in this community so that they can join us now and forever. If you're here today and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, I have a, I have a, a gentle word for you. It's on the screen. Get over yourself. See, There's a higher calling in life. And, and until, I, until I, as a lost person, got over myself, <laughs> I couldn't discover what Jesus had for me. And the more that you want in your life can only be found in Jesus. The higher calling you desire for your life can only be found in Jesus. So this morning, I invite you to turn to Jesus, give your life to him, and allow him to give you the gift of life, which he came to give. It's the best possible life you can live now, and a life that lasts forever. We stand together this morning to sing, and as we, as we sing today, I invite you, if you're in the room, and you need to confess Jesus as Lord, come and share with us here at the front uh, your decision. If you're looking for a church home, we would welcome new members at this time. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and join with us in the mission. If you join us online this morning, I want you just to go to our website, firstbaptistclinton.church, and click the I Want Jesus in My Life button. It'll begin the process of our having a conversation with you about what Jesus can do in your life. Or you may wish to text or call me. My number is 660-890-4150.
Um, text or call, let's have the conversation. If you're in the room, step out from where you're standing now and come share with us your decision.